I'm going to be talking a bit about Mary today, actually quite a lot about Mary today, and it felt that beginning with her prayer, her song of praise that we find at the beginning of Luke's Gospel is about as good an introduction to any human as we could ever get. This is very shortly after the angel Gabriel has said to Mary, you're going to give birth to a son and his name will be Jesus and he's going to be the savior of the world. Um, <laughs> which Mary responds to with quite considerable poise, given the way that most people respond to uh, angels and news from God in the Bible. But that's because Mary's great and we'll spend some time with her. Let's, let's read this out. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with the good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Here's a, here's a prayer of response to Mary's Magnificat. So let's, let's pray this together, and then I'll pray for the community too. Lord God, my soul seeks to magnify the Lord as my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For the Almighty has done good things, though change feels slow and is sometimes hard to find. I know that it comes. I know that it happens. With Mary, I wait for what has been promised. I wait for tables to be turned and power to shift for a scattering of the proud and a tumbling of the mighty. I wait for new life and a new world. For those treated as social outcasts just for being who they are or because of events outside of their control, I pray for God's loving presence to be as real to them as it was to Mary when she proclaimed, the Lord has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. To the Mighty One who has done great things, I pray for an open heart and unblocked ears that I may hear the voices of the poor and the oppressed, to act, to share their struggle for justice. For those who have experienced violence or been forced to flee their homes, I pray for God's mercy, which Mary promised, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. For those who experience racial hatred and suffer the bigotry of the narrow-minded, I pray that they might know the Lord has shown the strength of his arm, and the proud will be scattered in the conceit of their heart. For those suffering under oppression of tyrants and dictators, I pray they may take comfort in knowing justice is coming. For the Lord has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lonely. For the poor and hungry, 
I pray they may experience what it means to be filled with good things, while the rich are sent away empty. To the one who helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, I pray with longing that all may have joy of this Mary's song, as its promise is fulfilled with God among us. And Lord, we lift up our community now. To those who need to hear this song, or those who need to speak it. Lord, we pray for those who are, who are struggling. Those of whom life doesn't seem to have got less difficult or cloudy, even though we're able to come out, we're able to see each other. We know that sometimes healing takes a long time. And we pray that we be a church where people can be healed, can know what it means to be healed. Lord, we pray for, for those of us that, that have those that are able to give. We pray that that seed of generosity be one that you water in our hearts. Lord, we're able to see how much better it is when we share what you have given us. Lord, I thank you for the generosity that we see from people here over and over again. With their money, with their time, with their gifts, with their patience, with their kindness, in all the ways that they share. Lord, for the places where, where we need to do better, for the times we've, we've let ourselves down and we've let others down and where we've let you down by either the things that we've done or the things that we should have done and we didn't. Lord, we, we repent and we're sorry and we want to be better and we want to follow in your way more closely. Lord, we pray that Mary's song be our song too. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Let's, um, let's read this text from Mary again. Um, I'm going to read it from a different translation this time, just because it's helpful. Um, if there's ever something that uh, excites you, <laughs> I really encourage you to read it in different translations. It's very easy to do on the internet. Uh, and it, it, it can sometimes breathe new life into it. Also, if there are verses that you used to find really exciting, but now aren't quite as inspired by, I would encourage you to look at different translations. Because <laughs> uh, again, these, it has a way of putting a fresh shine on what scripture has to say to us. So this is, this is from a translation called The Voice, which is a translation I really enjoy. They... It's not just biblical scholars, but they also had uh, writers and worship leaders. And the idea was to try and capture the spirit of the message rather than just the kind of words of it. Um, and of course, when you have poets doing translation, they'll offer something that straight translations won't. Uh, it says this, My soul lifts up the Lord. My spirit celebrates God, my liberator. For though I am God's humble servant, God has noticed me now and forever. I will be considered blessed by all generations, 
for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is God's name. From generation to generation, God's loving kindness endures for those who revere him. God's arm has accomplished mighty deeds. The proud in mind and heart God has sent away in disarray. The rulers from their high positions of power God has brought down low. For those who are humble and lowly, God has elevated with dignity. The hungry, God has filled with fine food. The rich, God has dismissed with nothing in their hands. To Israel, God's servant, God has given help. As promised to our ancestors, remembering Abraham and his descendants forever. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we, that we all remember this song. We pray that our hearts be open to what you have to speak to us this morning. I pray for my own words, that they be a faithful reflection of who you are. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So I, I realize that was like a lot of buildup, and this sermon isn't particularly on that song on the Magnificat, uh, but it's on Mary herself, and I just can't think of a better way to introduce Mary. Uh, we're kind of beginning a new series today, which kind of flows out of the last one, and we're going to be taking a closer look at Jesus, which hopefully is something is quite exciting to all of us. It's a series that I'm going to call, Who is This Man? Who is This Man? Because really, at the core of everything, that, that's the question that we should have in our minds. Who is this man? A question that we should be desperate to have answered. Uh, originally, the series was going to be called, Who is this man who welcomes sinners and eats with them? Because uh, that's I was like, this is just my favorite Bible verse right now. Uh, but then I discovered, that's not a Bible verse. I had made that up. <laughs> it was actually a conflation of, two verses. The, the question that's actually asked of the disciples is, why does Jesus eat with sinners, not who is this man that eats with sinners? But that's a very interesting question, too, that we'll get to. Why does Jesus eat with sinners instead of who? And I was, I was feeling kind of bummed up about that because I was like, oh, I guess I don't know my Bible. <laughs> I thought this was a Bible verse, and apparently it is not uh, but by the grace of God, I was reading my Bible, I was reading Luke 6 later that day, uh, where Jesus calms the storm, and after Jesus calms the storm, does anyone remember what the disciples ask? Who is this man? Who is this man? So I was relieved to know that this was actually in the Bible after all, and I hadn't just made it up, which <laughs> is a risk of doing. Who is this man? man. I don't know about you, but I do often feel that the Jesus that we see shared on social media sometimes, or the Jesus that uh, perhaps lots of very vocal Christians talk about, doesn't seem quite as reflective of the Jesus that I read about in Scripture. 
And I want to be careful there because obviously everyone thinks they're totally right about this. But that's why we want to spend some time getting to know who Jesus is. We want to make sure that our words and our actions align with the Jesus that we see revealed in Scripture. And what with the what would Jesus do bracelets a thing over here? Ooh, all right. Well, Chad, yo, Chad, that's my guy right there. Chad is someone in his early 30s now. Definitely seems like the kind of guy that probably wore a what would Jesus do bracelet. He's shaking his head, but I think we all know the truth. Um, <laughs> what would Jesus do bracelets? Very, very cool, uh, I guess, 15 years. Actually, really not. If they were, even Chad wasn't wearing them, they probably weren't that cool. Um, but it's a good question. It's a good question. What would Jesus do? And in order to know what he would do, we have to know who he is. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at Jesus, and we're going to look at Jesus's world. We're going to look at the people around him. We're going to look at the people that Jesus surrounds himself with. We're going to look at his family and his friends and his enemies and his life and, and how Jesus responds in these situations. But I figured at the start it kind of made sense to begin at the beginning. And uh, given that my mother and father are here, I thought we'd call today Meet the Parents. Um, so today we're going to learn about Joseph and Mary. I realize it's also, it kind of feels like a strange thing to have uh, that song, sometimes called the Magnificat, read out outside of Christmas. We tend to read it at the beginning of December, and we're like, that's great. And then we don't come back to it. And I think it's one of those songs that we should come back to again and again and again and again, because it's so revelatory of who Jesus is. So we'll start, you know what, we'll leave the best till last. We'll start with Joseph, because there isn't that much to say about him. <laughs> so we'll get him out of the way. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, there isn't that much to say about Joseph. Like, Scripture shows us that he's a good man. He's a humble man. He listens to the angel in the dream that God sends. Uh, and he listens, and that's impressive, because lots of people don't listen to God in Scripture. Uh, and he also has quite a famous bloodline which we know Jesus has to come from the line of David, and Joseph is from the line of David. Uh, this, is, of course, is interesting. Both Matthew and Luke talk about Jesus' bloodline, about his genealogy, which is interesting given that we know that Joseph is not, uh, Jesus is not Joseph's biological child. Uh, but we also know as Christians that family is much more than genetics. So scripture doesn't really have anything negative to say about Joseph, which is quite impressive when we think about it. We assume that he died for Jesus's earthly ministry because it just doesn't get mentioned. He's also probably a fair bit older than Mary. Again, scripture doesn't teach us this. We're just guessing from what society was like 2,000 years ago. Um, so it would have meant that by the time Jesus was in his 30s, Joseph was likely around 50s, 60s, which 